Hello, and welcome to Everyday Women. I'm Malvika with Hobbin. And I'm Allison Bunker, and today we are here with Andrea Moore. Hi. Um, so our first question, which we ask all of our guests, is if you could design the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich, what would it be? All right. I'm a big fan of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, so one of my favorite things about it is the ways that you can adapt it and change it. So I'm not a, just a creature of habit every time I eat the same. It's very customizable. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I love is the grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, I love that. So it's like a grilled cheese in the sense that you put butter on the bread Mm -hmm. and it works well to have well, really any bread, but I, I do like kind of the thicker, heartier breads, mm-hmm. crunchy peanut butter, and then I'm a big fan of like a, either a blackberry or a boysenberry. Ooh, blackberry, yeah. I think the thing about the grill that I really like is that they both, the jelly and the peanut butter both get hot, mm-hmm. and like something about the warm peanut butter is like really good, because it's all like mm-hmm. melty, it's just not like, and then the warm jelly. In my house, we do like... You put bananas in it too, yep. too and I, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that as well. And the first time that I had this was on a ski trip after mm. like, oh, yeah, coming yeah. in from the cold. <laughs> That's definitely that the was the way time. to do it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so um, I guess first we'll give a little background on who you are. You're the one of the counselors at our school. Mm-hmm. Um, so first question we want to ask you is what led you to the career you have now? Yeah. So from an early age, I had extended family members that had dealt with issues with mental health. And so I had exposure to, um, unfortunately, a relative that died by suicide. And Mm -hmm. then uh, another family member with pretty significant persistent mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And I was really curious and wanted to know, you know, first know, like, does that impact me? Mm -hmm. And why did that, why did their lives turn out that way? Uh, so I started to just research and ask questions and um, was really fascinated by the brain and behavior and um, the intersection of that and genetics. And, wow. um, and so I just, I just kind of, every opportunity that I had in school to choose a project or a topic, I really focused around mental health. Um, And I think because I was so interested in that, I also found myself in a place where a lot of my friends were coming to me and Mm -hmm. knowing that, hey, Andrea kind of knows stuff about this. And Mm -hmm. so I found myself supporting a lot of friends. Um, And then I wanted to know more about how to support my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, So eventually I ended up volunteering at an information and referral helpline for Mm -hmm. eating disorders and um, just kind of continued building my knowledge of how to support the people around me. Cool. Very cool. Um, you've had a pretty long career, so where else have you worked besides our school? All right. So I, after graduate, I'll just talk about after graduate yeah. school. So I have been out of graduate school for eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my first job out of graduate school, I was a day hospital therapist at an eating disorder clinic for women, so 18 and above, and in that role, I was with patients for the entire day, leading group therapy, family therapy, individual therapy, and supporting them through meals. Um, So I learned a lot in that role, and actually, I was the first 
day therapist in a new program. So I helped oh, cool. build mm-hmm. that program and had no idea what I was getting myself mm-hmm. into and just <laughs> did it and built helped really build that program. And yeah. uh, it was Wait, really... What, what was the program? Um, it's now the, called the Eating Recovery Center okay. Uh, okay. and has changed titles. Before that, it was the Moore Center. Oh, okay. <laughs> how fancy. <laughs> and so I left that position... Uh, I actually did not intend to work there. My aunt was the medical director, mm-hmm. and uh, circumstances left them without a therapist the day before yeah. it opened. Okay, yeah. And so I came in and said, sure, sign me up. I'll do this. And saw that kind of as temporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next job after that was at Seattle Children's Hospital, where for four years I was a medical social worker, uh, working with kids and families who were diagnosed with cancer and most of which uh, were going through bone marrow transplants. So um, a support role for mm-hmm. kids and families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I started here at E-Prep, um, I'm in my fifth year now. I I've also, been here longer than you have. I know. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> so when I started at my job at E-Prep, I also kept a job working, picking up shifts in the emergency department as a social worker at Children's Mm -hmm. Hospital. So in that role was doing a lot of support around crisis, Mm -hmm. um, child abuse and neglect, um, bereavement, and um, enjoyed doing both, but then eventually decided I wanted to have more me time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are some of the things you expected going into your career and what are some that you didn't anticipate? I think... Just as I understand people, I understand mm-hmm. complexities, and so I anticipated complexities in mm-hmm. the work that I do, and um, so I, I expected it to always be changing and never, you can never be an expert mm-hmm. um, because it's a, like change and growth is an ongoing process, so I expected that. Um, trying to think of what the biggest surprises for me have been you know i think early on in my career i i saw my role more as someone that was like a change agent or a fixer yeah. mm-hmm. and when i'm doing my best as a therapist uh-huh. i'm not actually fixing or solving uh-huh. uh, so yeah, i would say that experiencing and guiding um is more something that mm-hmm. I, I strive to do okay. with mm-hmm. with students uh, mm-hmm. versus to fix so that was, I guess, a surprise. It's easy to like, get into that mindset, though, of like fixing problems. It sure yeah. is. It sure <laughs> is. Definitely have that problem. I definitely do that. And sometimes people just need validation and yeah. experience yeah. alongside them. Malvika's mm-hmm. experienced me fixing some of her, fixing some <laughs> of her problems. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that um, you might give, like advice that you might give to people who might be looking to go into like a counseling profession or something similar to that? Uh, I'd say do it. (laughs) No, um, you know, the thing that really kind of hooked me into this was in my undergraduate, I had the opportunity to do research and um, get exposure to families and uh, individuals experiencing significant challenges and um, with, uh, and that exposure was really helpful in clarifying kind of my path forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say work in a variety of settings. Uh, one of the things that I love about my training, and I have my master's in social work and my bachelor's in psychology, is that 
it allows me to work in so many different environments, but mm -hmm. I have a framework to work within um, in mm -hmm. any of those places. So I would say um, work in, in roles that maybe you don't see yourself and mm -hmm. get experience um, outside of your, your mm -hmm. own comfort zone. That's really cool. Yeah. What are some of the things that you experience working with teens or that you like would expect or didn't expect like with that age group? Uh, and similarly, like to what I said before, I expect to kind of be surprised. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm always amazed uh, at just how much teens have going on in their lives. And I think it's even more than when I remember my own schooling and mm -hmm. uh, that growing up feels to me, this is anecdotally speaking, <laughs> uh, more complex. And mm -hmm. you guys are faced with new challenges that come with the great things that technology and your phones yeah. and Snapchat and all of these things bring. I definitely feel like I've seen that with my sister too. Like even though she's only like, same. four years I mean our sister's yes. the same age so only they're four years younger than us yeah. like she'll like, get like a hundred group text messages in one night I'll be like how yeah. are you managing like this like, like, how is this not yeah. just, just too much for you there's, there's a lot like, coming yeah. at you guys and, like, and yeah. not necessarily as much time to like figure out yeah. how to respond and yeah. um, how to engage with it so a lot coming at you guys really fast so I think that's a big surprise for me um just how ever changing the growing up experience is. Yeah, definitely. Um, with your job, I'd imagine that you kind of probably deal with the stigma that surrounds mental health, like probably on a pretty daily basis. Right. Um, how do you kind of handle that? Yeah, I think that is an ongoing challenge. Is that even accessing support or uh, speaking with a counselor or mm -hmm. uh, asking for help is still something yeah. that many individuals struggle with mm -hmm. or feel that they shouldn't have to mm -hmm. do. Um, I would like to get to a place where it's a strength yeah. to ask for support mm -hmm. or even just to um, have space to talk. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's certainly a battle and um, sometimes it feels like it's getting better and then mm -hmm. other times it feels like it's it's staying the same yeah. but I think uh, as a community as we start to talk more openly about yeah. um, receiving support or um, having spaces where you can mm -hmm. just talk freely um, or acknowledging that people in our community do struggle with mental mm -hmm. health issues mm -hmm. like depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when there's space for that, um, we work against the stigma, but it's something that certainly I face. And I see a shift in it. And in middle school, students are more willing to kind of own their experience. They, they may not have labels or terms to put on yeah. their experience, but they're more willing to like access support Definitely. and help. And then, are you saying they're like more willing than they used to be, or are you saying like they're more willing than upper schoolers? Probably are? more willing than upper schoolers. Yeah, really? Just well, in, like that, in, that surprises in, me. In general, sure. and then okay. I will say the students that do identify that in high school that it is helpful for them mm -hmm. and um, do access support, continue to do so, and maybe follow through even better yeah. um, than some of the middle schoolers. But okay. um, I think it's it's it is a constant 
challenge. And I, I think as a community, I hope we start to talk about mm-hmm. mental health uh, more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, in your opinion, what sort of like role in your job do you enjoy the most? Like you know, obviously do a lot of things like talk to parents, probably to admins, advocacy. Like what what part of it is fit your favorite? <laughs> That's easy for me. Um, <laughs> I like talking to students. Um, that being said, I sometimes see a really important area of my job as helping administrators and other mm-hmm. people understand yeah. student experience, whether it's okay. an individual student experience or just in general a student experience, mm-hmm. um, especially the students that are up against really big challenges in mm-hmm. their lives. So um, I enjoy my direct time with students. That's mm-hmm. why I chose to work in a school mm-hmm. uh, where the students kind of drive the life of this yeah. place mm-hmm. uh, so definitely the students but um, I see all areas of my job as really important yeah mm-hmm. um, but because of my my role of supporting the students so yeah. Yeah. my conversations with administrators my conversations mm-hmm. with parents mm-hmm. all come back to supporting uh, what's best for the student mm-hmm. would you say people are usually pretty receptive like teachers if you're like trying to help support a student or do you get a lot of pushback I have to say, uh, teachers are wonderful. Uh, once they, uh, you know, with the information, when I'm in a position where a student allows me to share some mm-hmm. information with a teacher, yeah. they they rise to the occasion. Because uh, that's been my experience. Like, if I've yeah, ever been like to a teacher, like, hey, like something's going on, or like this, like they're almost always like, okay, I understand. A or, lot like, of yeah. times, it's yeah. just lack of information mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. knowing what the needs of the student are to support them at that yeah. time. That. Um, if, if a student isn't feeling supported by a teacher, yeah. it's because the teacher doesn't have the information they need to yeah. support that student. And once they have enough information, um, with the student's permission, of course, mm-hmm. um, it can be a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I've had like conversations with some of my teachers before about like how do you sort of like know when there's like more going on for a student and that you can't see, and like how do you deal with that? Because you know, like you might see a student asking for an extension and think like. Oh my god! Like obviously, you can't see the whole picture, and right. yeah. I imagine that's super hard from their angle too to be like, yeah. "When is right?" Of course, okay, cool. Also, there's kind of a, I mean, I mean, a stigma around it, but a lot of people just like they don't ask for extensions. Right. They're just kind of like, "I don't just ask do for it." Like whatever's <laughs> happening, it's fine. Right? That's yeah. Kind of the, I guess the I also bubble think around here. there's like a certain if you ask for an extension, it's almost like admitting that you like can't handle it yeah, and so I think sometimes in a way like trying to like, like I got this can mm-hmm. like almost be a way of coping I feel like yeah definitely yeah um and then is it hard to watch like students that you've known pretty well leave after I joke sometimes in my job yeah. that the students that are really struggling that I end up seeing a lot mm-hmm. I don't get to see them anymore when yeah, they're doing yeah. well quite often yeah. it's like I the student is doing well in many cases when they don't come by my office yeah, anymore and that's yeah. something that I understand yeah. and because I can understand it from the growth perspective yeah. I see is a great thing yeah and sometimes you know there I get to know a lot of wonderful mm-hmm. students and of course I miss them yeah however I'm really excited for them when they go off and uh, kind of spread their wings yeah that's yeah. an interesting conundrum because it's yeah. like you don't want them to need you but at the same time it's like you don't get to see when they're right. like having yeah. a good day. I have the kind of job where you want to be out of a job. Yeah. yeah. Where I, you know, I mean, not, I not because I don't want to do. do my job, but yeah. like, 
if I'm out of a job, then everything's good. Things everything's are going great. Well. Like, that's, yeah, that's funny. But I also still love the, the students that come back and visit when they are doing well and just mm-hmm. say, hey. But yeah. sometimes it's hard to go back to the place where you yeah, were definitely. when things yeah. were not going well in your life. And mm-hmm. so I get that and I can appreciate that. And yeah. I don't take it personally. I have to do a lot of work in my job regularly. See, I feel like I would personally. I feel like I would take it really personally. Like <laughs> yeah. Well that's yeah, yeah, that's an important part of it. And be like clearly they hate yeah. me now. Yeah. Like, to yeah. be able to put things in yeah 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 definitely how do you handle that because I imagine it's hard not to like bring work home with you yeah so I you know I'm a human being with Mm -hmm. like emotions and feelings (laughs) and so things do affect me (laughs) however I know kind of I'm I'm very aware of the things I need to do to be able to continue to do my job Mm -hmm. and do it effectively Mm -hmm. and so that guides me of like okay how how am I going to be able to be present for my student tomorrow? Yeah. What do I need to do in my own life to, to care for myself yeah. to be able to do that? I will say that one thing in my profession that is really helpful, too, in terms of getting our own support mm-hmm. is building a clinical consult network where oh, okay. um, you can case consult with other therapists in the mm-hmm. area without giving away student-specific details, but feel supported in that experience. And mm-hmm. the times that it's really important to have that are in cases that are particularly um, challenging yeah. and worrisome. Yeah. And to have additional support and eyes also reassuring mm-hmm. me that in my role, I'm I'm doing what's best by that student. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a big part of my Mm self-care and setting limits and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm working on with my students often, but something that I have to continue to do. And um, I will say that working in a school is a very sustainable way for me to do that because I get breaks when you guys get breaks. And um, I can focus on caring for myself during the times that I'm Mm -hmm. away from school. Mm -hmm. I imagine it's nice, too, to be like, in a school because there's like a lot of other adults who could like like a member of like a community as a whole and then we were talking about this in in the last episode we did about how like my mom when she like went into her career she did architecture Mm -hmm. and she like would do architecture and she would just be like drawing for like hours on her own and she was like I hate this and so it's like yeah like you're part of yeah and uh, this is a great community yeah it's fine. Some really great teachers. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of switching gears yeah. here. Um, you're you're into um, mountaineering, yeah. and you're a mountaineer as well. Um, so how did you kind of start that? So I've. Could you just let us know, like, what you consider mountaineering? Yeah. Like pretending I do, but like. I don't. Yeah, mountaineering <laughs> is kind of technical mountain experience and Mm. what that can look like is that can be glacier travel it can Mm. be alpine rock climbing alpine climbing um so i i definitely enjoy mountaineering i will say that i built up to that i started out a fair weather hiker of like the weather was nice (laughs) and uh, i had a group of friends i'd go for a hike and i always really enjoyed being outdoors and Mm. then kind of pushed that further and hiked regardless of weather, then got involved in scrambling, which is more technical hiking, not always on a trail. And uh, after that, decided I wanted I wanted more. And my husband is very involved in the mountaineering community. Mm-hmm. And I got some exposure to that through him. And then I took my own courses uh, to better prepare myself for mountaineering mm-hmm. and met a group of people that I found to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And 
kind of figured out that that is a really big component to my self-care mm-hmm. and I like to work towards a goal. It's very team oriented. You're relying mm-hmm. on the people you climb with. Yeah. Um, you're relying on communication. You're And um, you get to some of the most amazing places that uh, you can't walk to on a trail. What are some of the places that you've been to? Uh, so last summer I climbed the Grand Teton. Ooh, so that was really cool. exciting. So that was a uh, technical, like, it was a hike, a scramble, which mm-hmm. means you're not on a specific trail, mm-hmm. and then an alpine rock climb that was many pitches or rope lengths mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. get to the summit. Okay. So that was really exciting. I also climbed the sub-peak of Mount Rainier, which is called Little Tahoma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was interesting. There was a lot of horrible rock at the top of it that made it a little bit scary and kind of like a, a one and done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, those, I mean, those have been some of the really exciting ones that mm-hmm. I've done, but I just like to use my legs to get places mm-hmm. and um, I don't see myself, like I would say that I, I love to hike and backpack probably as much or if not more than I love some of the like the more technical mountaineering but part of that's because I feel the risk that's associated with mountaineering Mm -hmm. and um, I'm very aware of that and I enjoy it and I enjoy that I can get to places that I can't get to um, just through hiking but kind of yeah have you seen the movie 180 Degrees South, the documentary? I have not. Oh. What's that about? I don't know. It's, I think it's about mountaineering. Okay. I feel like, because they, like, try to, like, summit this peak in Patagonia that, like, only one person has summited before. And mm-hmm. then... Okay. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't it's, think, I don't think it's a very one. accurate representation of, like, what mountaineering is probably yeah, usually like. Really because extreme. a lot of his thing is, like, about his journey to get to Patagonia. Yeah, so okay, a lot of it's okay. just, like, him on his boat, like, boating there. <laughs> they're like sailing they like lose their mask and they have to like fix it and it's like really I think they tried to make it kind of intense but it was like not that it was just they lost the mask That's it wasn't quite as dramatic as I think they thought it was but yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. I, I, I'm a mountaineering light kind like, of person because this is what they were talking about like how they were like still like climbing up snow and they're like if we like mess up with them, we're gonna die and we were like that's very, I mean, that's, like, that's a reality, and there are, I mean, I've been on some pretty steep snow uh-huh, slopes yeah. that are scary, yeah. um, but you, you know, I, I, the training that I was able to get was very safety conscious, mm-hmm. and that's good. I'm very safety conscious, so <laughs> I approach the risk I take with as much safety as possible. Mm-hmm. I guess Everest is next. No, <laughs> nope, Everest is not on my list, <laughs> but I would like to do some trekking in Nepal. Yeah. Yeah. She gets to do that. So. Oh, I'm jealous. I guess it kind of kind of tells what you like about mountaineering, but um, how do you feel like it is comparable to other things like running or like yeah, hike? like I guess is there like an added benefit, or you're like it's I don't know. Does that make sense? Um, I will say that for me, it is a goal that you work towards and you plan for um, that is rewarding along the way. And it's a way that I'm being really active and I like I don't feel like I'm slaving at the gym mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm doing wonderful things for my body yeah. mm-hmm. and, and like surrounded by these really rewarding mm-hmm. views. Um, I think that I notice a shift in my mood and 
um, myself after I've gone yeah. on a hike, after mm-hmm. I've gone on a climb, mm-hmm. and I can start out grumpy and being like, oh, I'm not in the mood, or like, oh, like I'm tired, I don't want to get up early to do this, yeah. and then be so glad that I did. Yeah. And the, the effects of, you know, that climb or that mm-hmm. hike last beyond the time that I'm doing it. And I think yeah. for many runners or athletes, That's exactly how cross-country you experience that yeah. as well of like, yeah. oh... Um, I'm so glad I did this. Like before, it was hard. Yeah, before I'm always like, I don't really want to go to practice today. Like, it sounds yeah. terrible. And I get out there and I'm like, did yeah. the first warm up. I'm like, oh yeah, we're feeling and it. And afterwards, I'm like, cold. tired, but like, feeling great. And, uh, then, and, and you know, part yeah. of mountaineering quite often is like what they call an alpine start. So you're getting up with a headlamp before oh, the man. sun has come up and it's cold. And I can tell you that there have been many times where I've said, I don't want to get out of my tent. I don't want to do this. But yeah. there's never been a day where I, after I've done it, said, I wish I hadn't gotten out of my tent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's the reward. Yeah. That's great. I feel like also there's something more rewarding about, like, when you do it and you're, like, glad you did it, especially if you, like, didn't think you wanted to do it. Like, yeah. I don't know. Something about that is, like, yeah. makes it yeah, even like, better. You discovered a new thing. You're, like, whoa. Like, yeah. it was fun. And, and I, I know. like, knowing that the pushing through something was was helpful or beneficial yeah. can be really positive mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. okay so we have like one kind of fun question for you all right if you could redesign your office how would you change it all right let's focus on my main office yeah, which is exactly. downstairs <laughs> well i would certainly have a window all right Ooh, and yeah, since we're kind of on the mountain theme mm-hmm. it would be positioned so that i was looking out into a, a beautiful mountain, mountain. Oh, got it. <laughs> So most of the, re- the, the reworking so of my office so involves kind of relocating it yeah. to like the base of Mount Rainier. Access and view yeah. to the outdoors. Okay. okay. So it doesn't really matter what's inside. It's more like no. Yeah. I mean, and as long as it's an inviting space for students, <laughs> we're all good. But, um, I think that would be my number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First priority. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, we have one last segment, and it's called Try This at Home. Oh. It's a surprise. Um, it's kind of any tip or, like, little piece of advice that you want to give our listeners. For example, I think last week we had, like... Um, Make a short list oh, of, yeah. like, people in your life mm-hmm. that would be there if you had a crisis. Or oh, like once we had, like, dye your uh, hair. Right, right, or, or, like, or, drink vinegar. Yeah. Which we did. We tried it. I went to the store and got vinegar and we drank it together and it was actually so good. Oh boy. (laughs) This is going to be hard for me because I have so many things I want people to try at home. And mine's kind of, the the first thing that comes to mind is really boring and is based on things I enjoy doing. (laughs) Like, like trying completely new recipes. Like using things that you would never think to combine. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot about cooking through that and I've enjoyed that. So that's kind of boring, um, but I highly recommend it. What are some um, things you've like discovered through that? So I, let's see, Moroccan lamb stew, oh, wow. which exactly. I hated lamb growing up. Mm-hmm. I love lamb. And, I love lamb yeah, so much. And I think it's it's built a confidence in me yeah. that I'm like, wow. I am really proud of this dish. Mm-hmm. I want to share it with people all the time. And, <laughs> and I love, like, sharing food with people. So. See, I've had so many traumatizing baking experiences. I think I, like, just can't <laughs> go to the kitchen and, like, 
have I a good time baking, because like, I've tried to bake so many times and had to go so oh, south, and I so it's like <laughs> yeah. I love baking, but for me, it's I have like no like, confidence in my baking abilities. The first time I ever baked chocolate chip cookies, it was a wall of burned. My most cookies. recent, I tried to make oatmeal oh. cookies, and we didn't have. I see the thing is, I always forget oh to check God. if we have all the ingredients oh before I start baking. That's like the worst thing. So I, well, that's the first thing you do. So we didn't have any oatmeal. <laughs> So oatmeal, were, raisin, And then oatmeal. I just decided that muesli must be like a close second. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we, we didn't have enough, we didn't have enough muesli, so I didn't even, didn't even put it enough, and it was just like a puddle all over the baking pan. Ew. I know. Why? I know. I just had so many bad baking experiences. And then every once in a while, I'm also a fan of like, don't leave your, like, don't get out of your pajamas oh, for the day yeah, at home. Yeah, so like that. trying that. I tea. love that. But uh, I think it's like, you know, it's something I've probably worked to get to a place of being able yeah. to do of like, okay, I'm going to stay comfortable. I'm going to stay mm-hmm. in my pajamas today. I'm going to disconnect from the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna continue to think about that one beyond this segment because mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things. That you I'm, can email us. Yeah. That's a big thing. And even it's if we like don't put a podcast, I'll try it. Techniques. Like, I'm the queen of hibernation. <laughs> She hibernates. Okay, then maybe like your task would My be like task. try getting like, out of She's yeah. too good at like staying in her pajamas so, all day. Right. So it really depends on what <laughs> she you literally need. she literally times her weekends for hibernating on the weekends Yikes. that I'm out of town so that I can't go like get her out of her house. <laughs> Uh, very smart. I'll, my try this at home. I'll try this weekend. Will be to get out of my house. Get out of your pajamas. Yeah, I'll come drag you out of your house. I'll be. I've done it out. before. <laughs> oh yikes! Uh, all right. Um, thank you, listeners. We will be back next week. And please subscribe and leave a review mm-hmm. and go like us on Facebook and go find us on Instagram. <laughs> we have a new social media manager. Yeah. So thanks for listening. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.